Welcome to Lighting Your Way, a podcast featuring exciting, hilarious, heartbreaking, terrifying, and joyful stories of real nurse advocates helping real patients get the best health care. Hi, I'm Nurse Betty Long. Each week, I and one of my nurse colleagues at Guardian Nurses will take you behind the curtain to help you better navigate the healthcare system when you or a loved one is sick or injured. In this episode of the Lighting Your Way podcast, we're going to focus on a topic which is front and center in most of our lives these days, at least most of our lives at Guardian Nurses. And I'm talking about the COVID-19 vaccines. Today, we talk with two guests. The first is Dr. Val Arkush, the chair of the Montgomery County PA Board of Commissioners. Val was front and center in the state's early response to the pandemic when a series of initial cases were reported in Montgomery County, and she very recently announced her candidacy for the Democratic nomination for the U.S. Senate election in Pennsylvania in 2022. We'll talk with Dr. Arkush about the importance of getting vaccinated. Our second guest is our colleague from Guardian Nurses, Lori Fitzpatrick, a nurse for more than 26 years who for the last year has been working with and supporting patients, educating them and their families, and staying on top of the onslaught of information about COVID-19. We'll talk with Nurse Fitzpatrick about the side effects of the vaccine and provide helpful information for after you have been vaccinated. Commissioner Val Arkush, welcome to the Lighting Your Way podcast, and thank you very much for joining us to talk about the COVID-19 vaccine situation. Well, thank you so much for having me, Betty. It's great to be here. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Um, as a county commissioner and as a physician, uh, you were really one of the early political leaders in Pennsylvania to get out in front of the COVID-19 virus last March as Montgomery County citizens were contracting early cases of the virus. And, and fortunately, for the 830,000 or so residents of the county, you have maintained uh, that leadership role throughout 2020 and even into 2021 as vaccinations uh, began arriving and being given to eligible residents. So I want to thank you for that. Well, you're very welcome. Um, I work with an incredible team of people in our Office of Public Health and our Department of Public Safety, and it's, it's been a full-on effort uh, every day since March 7th when we got our first cases here in Montgomery County. Well, yeah, I was out in Seattle at the time, and our plane landed on March 11th, and um, one of the gals that picked me up said, all right, the governor's closing the state. I'm like, yikes, what's happening? So yeah, it's, yeah. it's been a long year. Uh, it so sure I, has. I have a few questions that I'd like to pose to you. They all have a theme, and that theme really is getting vaccinated. Um, so let me digress for a second and remind our listeners that the goal of our Lighting Your Way podcast is to empower you to be better healthcare consumers, to be advocates, not just for you, but for your loved ones as they journey um, through the healthcare system. So I know you're a physician, Val, but I'm, I'm sure you know that Florence Nightingale was a huge public health proponent back in England, and no doubt uh, she'd be very interested in our work around this pandemic, most especially, I'm sure, getting everyone vaccinated. Yeah. All right, Absolutely. so question number one, and we hear this a lot from our younger building trades uh, and construction workers, I'm young and healthy. I don't need to get vaccinated. What would you say to those folks? Well, this particular virus is really sneaky. And one of the ways that it is sneaky is that you can have the virus and be contagious, and it may not affect you. You might not have any symptoms, 
but without knowing it, you could expose loved ones to this virus and actually give them the virus. So even though you're young and healthy, you could actually cause your parents or your grandparents to catch the virus from you without knowing it, and they could become quite ill. The same holds true for anyone around you who's at high risk of getting a serious case of coronavirus. Mm -hmm. And then the other issue that I like to remind people of is that as time has gone on, this year has gone on, we have seen that there are people who test positive for the virus. They initially have no symptoms at all, but then sometimes a month or two months later, they start to develop problems that are tied back to this virus. Mm -hmm. So even though you're young and healthy, that doesn't mean that you won't be affected by the virus or that you might not be able to spread the virus to someone that you care about. Great answer. Yeah. I heart, wholeheartedly agree. Um, okay. Next question. Uh, interestingly, one of the other often heard responses from our patients of all ages is um, as vaccine eligibility opens up, the vaccination numbers are going up. So we'll soon reach herd immunity. Why should I bother to get vaccinated? What's your response to that? Yeah, that's a great question. So first, let me talk a little bit about what herd immunity means. So the coronavirus can only survive if it can go from one human being to another human being that is susceptible to it. And if everybody is vaccinated, then the virus will die because it can't find another human to jump to uh, that it can infect. So herd immunity means that the vast majority of people are vaccinated so that if there is the occasional individual who isn't vaccinated or more importantly cannot be vaccinated for some mm -hmm. reason, that they're protected by the fact that everyone else around them is vaccinated. Now, in order to reach herd immunity with a virus that is as contagious as the coronavirus, we need to get at least 75% and many people think 80% of people vaccinated. And I also have to point out when I put out that number that right now today, we cannot vaccinate anyone who's under 16 because they're still doing the studies on mm -hmm. people that are younger than 16 years of age to make sure that these vaccines are safe and effective in younger uh, children. So in order to get close to that 75 or 80% number where we would start to see herd immunity, that means that we need virtually every adult to get vaccinated. Wow. Right. Because that the entire population includes children under 16. So we need that's right. Seven, and right. we can't vaccinate them right now. And it could be months before we're able to do so. Right. So we really need the adults here to step up and get vaccinated. Good. Good message. Um, okay. Number three, uh, we've heard a lot about the current vaccines effectiveness against the new variants that are coming out. Uh, so this question is, why shouldn't I just wait until another vaccine comes out that is more effective against the more infectious variants? Well, that's also kind of a complicated answer, so I'll do my best <laughs> to explain it. So one of, the, one of the goals with vaccinating people as quickly as possible is to reduce the chances of additional variants developing. So the, the more chances that a virus has to infect someone and grow and multiply, the greater the chances are that a variant will develop. 
And so far, we have seen that the vast majority of variants are more infectious than the original version of the virus. There's one or two variants who, that don't seem to be too concerning, but the majority of them are more infectious, more contagious than the original virus. So the quickest way to shut that down is to get as many people as possible vaccinated so that the virus has less chance to spread and less chance to create a new variant. Right now, the vaccines that we have, all, all three of them that are approved in this country, are pretty effective against all the, the variants. And so we're hoping that that will continue to be the case. And the fewer variants, the better. Right. And the quicker vaccinated, the better. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. All right. So let's switch gears a little bit now and talk about teens and the vaccine. I know you talked about uh, under 16, but some of my nurses have expressed sentiments around this question. Since it's not easy to select which vaccine you're going to get, what would you say to parents of eligible teenage children who are reluctant to have their kids receive the messenger RNA type vaccines? And we're talking about Pfizer and Moderna. Mm-hmm. Well, a couple things. Uh, first, these vaccines have undergone extensive testing in people 16 and up. And at this point, we've had millions of people in this country receive both the Pfizer and Moderna vaccine who are 16 years of age and up. And it has been extremely safe and extremely effective in all of those age groups. I also want to point out some people are worried that because of the uh, messenger RNA name of these vaccines, that it could somehow alter someone's DNA. And I just want to reassure people that that is not possible. Uh, This, the messenger RNA in no way can alter anybody's DNA. So that parents don't have to worry about any long-term consequences from this. And the third thing that I would share is that someone that I have just enormous respect for, who is a physician right here at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and that's Dr. Paul Offit. He sits on the Food and Drug Administration's panel that reviews these vaccines. And I have spoken to him directly about this, and he has no concerns about anyone 16 and up receiving either of the messenger RNA vaccines. So I think what every parent needs to do is weigh their own risk-benefit analysis, and particularly uh, if, if their uh, child or their, anyone in their family is at risk of getting a serious case of COVID, Uh, Certainly, if it were my child, I would have them get vaccinated. In fact, I have three kids, and I I am very much looking forward to all of them being (laughs) vaccinated. Okay. Okay, good. Thank you for that. Um, So we're hearing in the news of late that folks uh, who have been vaccinated uh, maybe in December or January may need to get a booster shot in six months. Um, Even if that is true, can you speak to why it's still important to get a COVID vaccine now? Yeah. So first of all, we don't really know if anyone's going to need a booster shot in six months. I think what we're more likely to see is that this becomes very similar to the situation with the flu vaccine, which is that every year you might need an updated shot. But I don't know that we're going to really need to see that in six months. Mm -hmm. But even if we do, uh, it's still important to get vaccinated now. And that relates to what I said earlier about we want to reduce the number Uh, and possibility of variants being formed. 
And also, you know, people are still getting sick and sadly being hospitalized and even more sadly passing away from COVID right now today. And so to wait when we have an incredibly safe and effective vaccine available to us just doesn't really make a lot of sense uh, because we're seeing our case numbers rising right now. Uh, we are in early April and we're seeing our cases really start to jump back up as people get a little more relaxed and we see right. these variants start to take hold. So I really encourage people to right. get vaccinated now. Yeah, and uh, people are more relaxed and they're not vaccinated, right? That's right. Many of us and are. And they but, spread it, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, so now it's time to look into your crystal ball and answer this question. What do you think our lives will look like in the fall of this year? Well, it all depends on how many people choose to get vaccinated. Okay. If 80% or so of our community chooses to get vaccinated, then I think by this fall, will be pretty close to normal. You know, may not be 100% normal. We still may need to wear masks in certain situations or be a little careful. But I think if the majority of people choose to get vaccinated, we'll be in pretty good shape by this fall. Okay. However, if a large number of people do not choose to get vaccinated, then the fall could look a lot like what it looks like right now. Mm -hmm. So for everybody who, like me, is so anxious to get back to something that feels more normal, the most direct pathway to that is to get vaccinated as soon as it's your turn. Okay, I'm sold. Um, all right, we're in the home stretch now, Val. Uh, this is an important question, I think, because it deals with eliminating uh, misinformation around the virus and the vaccine. So depending on what news source you access, what website you might land on, and even what state and county you live in, there doesn't seem to be any clear one source of information. So if you were to suggest one source for COVID diagnosis and vaccine information, what would it be? I would suggest the Center for Disease Control. Okay. That is the most reliable source uh, one-stop shopping for all information about COVID-19. And I would definitely stay off of social media. Do not get your information from social media. <laughs> Do not get Unless someone's sharing a post from the CDC, then, then that's okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're crazy. Some of these posts are crazy, crazy. Yeah. Okay. So to cdc.gov, good, good yeah. um, suggestion. All right. Final question. You've answered uh, certainly a variety of different questions all around this COVID vaccine and, and getting it, the importance of getting it. Here's the last question. If you haven't convinced our listeners yet with your answers, what, what do you say to them now? Well, I think the most important thing to remember is that sadly, the coronavirus is still infecting people in our region it is causing people to be hospitalized and it is causing people to die. And this, the best way to prevent any more deaths from this virus is to get vaccinated. The vaccines are incredibly effective. The vaccines are basically 100% effective at preventing death and preventing hospitalization. And that's true for all three vaccines, the J&J, &J, the Pfizer, and the Moderna. They are all about 100% effective against preventing hospitalization and death. And I think that's a pretty good outcome. So in addition <laughs> to say, everything else geez. I said, right. uh, that's the goal, right? You want to be alive a year from now. And you want all your family members to be alive with you. So right. if you want that, get vaccinated. <laughs> okay. 
that that's compelling. Yeah, because I think people when they when they hear stories like, "Hey, I got vaccinated, and I still got sick," and it's like, "Yeah, but you didn't die, right?" And exactly, yeah, that's exactly right. 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 And you didn't have to go to the hospital either. Right, right. So it, it's yeah, there's a lot of news reports. I know my nurses in Seattle are telling us that there's a couple of folks in healthcare who were vaccinated and now they have it. And, you know, so so you shouldn't get. I'm like, no, you should still get it, but you're not going to die from it. That's so. right. It's about reducing the seriousness of the disease if you do get it. Right. Well, thank you uh, very much for your time and for your information. I hope that it was helpful for our listeners uh, just to move the needle a little bit toward, no pun intended, move the needle a little bit toward getting vaccinated. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Take care, Val. You too. Lori Fitzpatrick, welcome to the Lighting Your Way podcast. It is great to have you here. Thanks, Betty. It's wonderful to be here. Yeah. Uh, Lori, you and I have had the pleasure of partnering with other colleagues to provide town halls this last year on topics like the coronavirus when it first started, uh, kids and anxiety, and of late, the COVID-19 vaccines. In that town hall, we address what we call our top 20 questions. And earlier we heard from uh, Dr. Val Arkush, Montgomery County Commissioner, who spoke to why it's so important for everyone to get vaccinated as soon as they can. So I wanna shift gears from that very important topic and talk about side effects of the vaccine. Um, a lot of our guardian nurses patients tell us that they're afraid of the side effects that they've heard from this friend or that coworker that the side effects are terrible and, and lots of other stories. Um, and you have been one of our team's main sources of solid information this last year. During the times, frankly, we felt like we were drinking from a fire hose of information. So um, I'd like to ask you today some questions uh, and invite you to share your thoughts. Sure, absolutely. Um, I've been knee deep in sorting through a ton of information about these vaccines, so I'm happy to offer whatever I can. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it just continues day after day too. Um, okay, here's, here's um, one of the things that we keep hearing, right? I've heard the COVID vaccine side effects, especially after the second dose uh, of the Moderna and Pfizer can be really bad. Should I be worried? Well, I, I don't think you should be worried. Um, the, the side effects, they're generally short-lived like fatigue or headache and muscle aches and fever. And those are actually more common after the second dose, dose of um, the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, which, of course, requires the two shots. Um, as the one-shot J&J vaccine has started to be given, we're hearing similar side effects are happening after that one shot as well. So um, folks who are experiencing the unpleasant side effects after the second dose really generally describe their feelings as really having had a bad flu and, and say it's flattened me or I was useless for two days. Okay. And the data that's been collected from vSafe, which is a smartphone tool uh, that we're really encouraging people to use to track the side effects after vaccination, it's shown an increase uh, in reported side effects after the second dose. So like for instance, about 29 or so percent of people reported fatigue after the first Pfizer shot, but that jumped up to 50% after okay. their second dose. Okay. Um, muscle pain rose from 17% after the first shot to 42% after their second. Okay. Um, and so while only 7% of people got chills and a fever after the first dose, 
that increased to about 26% after that second dose. Okay. And I know uh, with our work here at Guardian, we've heard from a wide spectrum of patients who've been vaccinated. And their responses really range anywhere from no reaction at all to symptoms like uncontrolled shivering, a fever, brain fog. Uh, and while these symptoms may not be pleasant, really the good news is that they're short-lived. So typically no longer than 24 hours. And it's really a sign that your own immune system is really mounting a potent response to that vaccine. Okay. So, okay. Hope so that's what, if, what if I, um, what, what if I didn't have any side effects? Does that mean that my immune system didn't respond and the vaccine isn't working? Well, you know, side effects are getting all the attention because that's what people are afraid of, right? But if you look at the data from the clinical trials and in the real world, you'll really see that most people don't experience any side effects besides the sore arm. Mm -hmm. uh, in the Pfizer vaccine trials, about one in four patients reported no side effects. And in Moderna's trials, 57% of patients that were 64 or younger, they reported side effects after the first dose. And that jumped to 82% after the second dose, which, okay. which means almost one in five patients reported no reaction after that second shot. And a lack of side effects, please, doesn't mean that the vaccine isn't working. Um, I was listening to an interview uh, with Dr. Offit, a uh, professor at UPenn and a member of the FDA's vaccine advisory panel. And he noted that during the trials, a significant number of people didn't report side effects. And yet the trials showed that about 95% of people were protected. Mm -hmm. So he really concluded that the data proves that you don't have to have side effects in order to be protected. And I hope that's really ringing true for some yeah, people. Because nobody really knows why some people have a lot of side effects and others have none. Um, what we do know is that younger folks mount a stronger immune response to vaccines than older people because as we age our immune system gets weaker with age um, and, and women typically have a stronger immune response than men but but then again these differences don't mean that you aren't protected so if you don't feel much after getting the shot don't worry okay. and the bottom line is that even though the individual immune response can vary the data so far has shown that all three vaccines that have been approved here in the U.S., the Pfizer, Moderna, and J&J, &J, are really effective against severe illness and death from COVID. So, okay, that's, uh, that's a compelling yeah. answer. Thanks. Um, all right, what about taking uh, a pain reliever after I get vaccinated, after I get the mm -hmm. vaccine? Yeah, this has come up quite a bit uh, with some folks. And what I say is that it's okay to treat the side effects with a pain reliever, but if you don't really need one, don't take it, uh, because pretty much most experts are agreeing that it's safe to take a pain reliever to relieve the discomfort afterwards, um, but they advised against taking it after the shot as a preventative or if your symptoms are manage, manageable without it. Um, the concern with taking an unnecessary pain reliever is that it could actually blunt some of the effects of the vaccine. Hmm. So in terms of, uh, of the vaccine, there's no meaningful difference if you choose acetaminophen or ibuprofen, which we originally thought. Right. Um, and during the Moderna trial, about 26% of people took acetaminophen to relieve their side effects. And the overall efficacy of the vaccine was still 94%.
Okay. And when you so, say acetaminophen, you mean Tylenol? Tylenol, correct. Yes. <laughs> for those Sorry, non-nurses nurse listening. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> um, are the side effects worse if you've already had COVID-19? Well, I have seen some research and reports suggesting that uh, people who were previously diagnosed with COVID may have a stronger reaction and more side effects after their first dose of the vaccine compared to those who were never infected. So a strong reaction to your first dose of vaccine might also be a sign that you were previously infected, even if you weren't aware of it. And if you previously tested positive for COVID uh, or had a positive antibody test, I would warn you to be prepared for a strong reaction to that first dose and consider scheduling a few days off from work just in case. Because uh, not only will it be more comfortable to stay home and recover in bed, uh, the side effects can resemble the symptoms of COVID, and your coworkers aren't going to want to be near you in any way. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> no, they won't. <laughs> um, Lori, can I choose which vaccine I get? Um, well, in most cases, people are getting what whichever uh, vaccine is on site. Uh, at, that, at the site that they're on that's on hand mm-hmm. um, when it comes to the, be their turn. And most appointment scheduling systems generally don't tell you beforehand which one of the three it's going to be. That may actually change as the supply increases, especially with the rollout of J&J. Mm-hmm. And depending on how states decide to deploy the J&J vaccine, it might be possible to choose what you get by choosing where you sign up to get it. So in some cases, people might have been given a choice between two vaccines at the time of their appointment, although the situation's not the norm. Mm -hmm. But I don't want anyone to delay getting the vaccine um, if the one you hoped for isn't available. All of us, all of us in healthcare, nurses, doctors, scientists, we all say the best shot is the one you get the soonest, whichever that turns out to be, because all three are highly protective. And the differences really pale in comparison uh, to the risk you would run by being picky and passing up a chance to get a shot because it wasn't your top choice. Right. I say get it. Yep. Um, I, I would agree. So here's another, we're going to shift on the side effects and talk about, um, is it vaccine safe for women who are pregnant or breastfeeding? Yeah, we hear this one a lot. It's one of our top 20 questions and for a really good reason. Uh, obviously none of the vaccines were tested in pregnant women or those who were breastfeeding, uh, and federal officials have not issued any specific guidance other than allowing these women to be vaccinated if they choose. Um, an advisory committee to the CDC uh, really urged pregnant women to consult with their OBGYN and pediatricians about whether to get the vaccine. And the American College of uh, Obstetricians, excuse me, and gynecologists uh, issued a practice guideline to help women and their doctors talk about uh, determining whether or not they should get vaccinated. I know uh, the World Health Organization said that pregnant women may get the vaccine, and breastfeeding women can be vaccinated and does not recommend that women stop nursing after they get the vaccine. Because really most experts agree that the risk to pregnant women from COVID are far greater than any theoretical harm from the vaccines. And really since the 60s, pregnant women have been urged to receive vaccines against the flu and other diseases. And these women are generally cautioned against live vaccines, which are 
containing weakened pathogens, okay. but Pfizer and Moderna do not contain any live virus. Right. So okay. hopefully that's helpful. Yes, I think it is. All right. Uh, why not take my chances with COVID-19 rather than get a vaccine? Uh, well, <laughs> I'm not much of a gambler. Um, but I'm certain that your chances of dying from COVID are, are so much greater than your choice, you know, your chances of having a bad outcome from the vaccine. So if you look at COVID as the far more dangerous option, which it really is, the vaccines carry little known risk. But you don't have to look far to see the perils of COVID-19 because it's been really well documented, sadly. And about 20% of people who come down with COVID, they develop serious, potentially life-threatening illness. And sure, we've seen that most of the deaths in our country were, were people who were older, obese, or had other health problems. And they remain really the high risk uh, because of complications from COVID. But younger people can definitely become you know, severely ill and they can die as well. So if dying from COVID isn't enough to convince you, uh, the long-term health complications associated with COVID can also be a serious concern for someone who is younger. And as many people as one in three who recover from COVID have chronic complaints for months afterwards, including exhaustion, racing heart, blood clots, loss of sense of smell or taste, my one niece, uh, who's 22, had COVID back in November, and she's still struggling uh, with a loss of sense and smell. So uh, it, it's definitely not anything to play with. And, and I strongly recommend just not taking your chances. I, I've seen far too many patients die in the last year. So I'm asking you not to roll that dice. Right. Good, good advice. And I think there's also uh, documentation of mental health issues yeah. with uh, folks who've had COVID. Yeah. So yeah. Not, not, a mm -hmm. good, not a good bet. No, no. Um, so, so what are some of the things that I should know prior to getting my vaccination? Okay, well, great. So for when you've decided and you've gotten that coveted appointment, keep these things in mind. So the vaccine is going to be given in a needle like your flu shot. It's going to be given in the upper arm, which will be your deltoid muscle. So it's really recommended to wear loose clothing uh, that allows your upper arm to be easily exposed, like a short sleeve or sleeveless shirt. You can eat normal or have a snack, depending on the time of day, and drink plenty of fluids before heading in to get the vaccine. And like we mentioned before, uh, for maximum immunity, both Pfizer and Moderna is going to require two doses. So at your appointment for the first dose, you're going to need to make the appointment to receive that second dose in three or four weeks. So you may want to bring your calendar with you or check your availability so you're able to find a really convenient time within that recommended time frame. And as far as allergic reactions, they are possible, of course, with any vaccine, but they're rare. So what they're doing for, for patient safety, they're asking folks to remain in a designated waiting area for about 15 minutes for monitoring just to make sure that they're okay. And most folks have been able to leave after 15 minutes without having any symptoms. Now, if you've had a prior allergic reaction to an injectable medicine or vaccine or any of the ingredients in the vaccine, they may ask you to wait 30 minutes just to make sure. Make sure to bring your mask um, because you should all be wearing uh, a mask at the facility because they'll be following COVID safety protocols. 
And um, I'm hoping that's helpful information too for you to keep in mind. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and I'd like to add uh, a few suggestions uh, for those folks who have been vaccinated. Uh, we are suggesting in our town halls uh, that we, uh, the people copy their vaccination record uh, and keep one copy in their wallet or purse and the other in a safe place. Um, another suggestion is if you have a smartphone is to take a picture of your card and keep it on your phone. Um, we would recommend that you not post a photo of your vaccination record on social media mm -hmm. as it might be compromised. We've certainly heard stories about that and used uh, fraudulently. Uh, and even though, as Lori said, you've been vaccinated, you still need to wear a mask in public and do what you can to stay safe. Uh, the, the CDC announced a couple of weeks back that fully vaccinated people, those who were two weeks out from their second vaccine or two weeks out from the J&J &J vaccine, could interact with other fully vaccinated people without masks, which is a welcome sign that we're moving forward. But even with that news, there are four questions that we recommend you think about uh, before you spend time indoors with other vaccinated people without masks. The first, are you vaccinated? Two, is everyone else in the room vaccinated? Three, what's the level of spread in your community? And four, is someone in the room at high risk? So even if everyone in the room is vaccinated, you really want to think about the last two questions. The two-shot vaccines give you about 94-95% protection, and the J&J &J about 75%. So you also need to think about your odds of coming into contact with the virus. So a 5 or a 25% risk of infection when the virus is still raging is still a significant risk. And if you are a woman planning on getting your routine screening mammogram, around the time of your vaccination, get your vaccine, but consider postponing that routine mammogram for about four to six weeks. Um, what, what we've seen in reports is that the vaccine creates an immune response in your body, and that's a good thing, as Lori said, but in about, um, I guess doctors are seeing swollen lymph nodes on mammograms uh, and mistaking them for signs of breast cancer or lymphoma or leukemia. So that's causing sometimes unnecessary biopsies to be done. And though it's only been in about 20% of women, better to be safe than sorry if you can reschedule. Uh, if you do get the mammogram right after your vaccine, make sure you, you tell the technician that you were vaccinated and tell them what arm you got the shot at. Um, that's great info, Betty. Thanks. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's important just to tell, you know, just to let people know. I think uh, the more we... The more we know, as we've been telling folks in our town hall, you know, we're part of the clinical trial, which is, right, right? We, we right. need to let folks know what's going on. We need to let scientists know so they know. Um, Lori, we've talked in many of our town halls about vaccine hesitancy, particularly in the black and brown communities. So before we close, would you feel comfortable telling your own story about getting the vaccine? Oh, uh, sure. Well, you know, I've worked in pharma and nursing for a long time, uh, and I, I was pretty hesitant, too, to be completely honest. And uh, our history as black and brown folks in the past and even current hasn't been the most encouraging for us in the medical field. And I even have family members who are still either refusing or waiting, you know, taking that wait-and-see approach. So what I did is, is I did a bit of my own research um, and looked into how the data was viewed, who viewed the data for 
uh, in particular at the time, the two mRNA vaccines, which is Pfizer and Moderna. And I, I was pleased. Um, our own people of color, uh, from the scientists who helped uh, develop the Moderna vaccine, uh, and doctors and practitioners around the world that are of color have reviewed the data. In regards to specifics for us, um, for any comorbidities that affect us directly, such as sickle cell or HIV or hypertension, things that concern our community. And the data still stood up really very well. So I, I would be encouraged to uh, hear that we educate ourselves and encourage each other to consider doing it because we are still getting and dying from COVID double the rate than mainstream population. And I'm really hoping that we educate ourselves and learn that we can do this if we help each other through. I'm just asking. Yeah. Thanks, Lori. I, I appreciate your own personal experience uh, and, and, you know, kind of struggling with the decision too. I know that even early on, many of us uh, at Guardian Nurses were wondering about the mRNA. Uh, and, you know, as you said, the data was pretty uh, conclusive. So, yeah. Um, so thanks. Um, thank you for joining us and sharing all the information. You are a veritable encyclopedia of COVID-19 information. <laughs> and I think that it's safe uh, for me to say that we both as nurses strongly recommend that our listeners get vaccinated as soon as you can. Yes, please do it for your parents, your grandparents, those you love. Do it for yourself. Thanks. Yes, uh, sounds like a perfect way to end today's episode. Uh, thanks again, Nurse Fitzpatrick. Always a pleasure. Uh, take care of yourself. Thanks so much, Betty. Have a good one. Okay, bye. If you have any questions that you would like us to address in a future episode, please email us at podcast at guardiannurses.com. That email again is podcast at guardiannurses.com. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for joining us this week. You can find the Lighting Your Way podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google, YouTube, Spotify, and Stitcher. If you liked what you heard, tell a friend and leave us a review. You can learn all about Guardian Nurses Healthcare Advocates on our website, guardiannurses.com. So until next time, find some joy in your life, pet all the good doggies and kitties, and remember to tell your people that you love them. Take care.